So uh, first of all, uh, Randy, great job, man. That's great. You got to come back. You just move here. You should just move to Clemson, and you can do that all the time, okay? Um, but, uh, but anyway, don't tell Ronnie I said that. Um, but um, that was fantastic. Matt and the singers, great job this morning. You know, the, the thing is, is it's easy to take for granted. We have a ton of musical talent in our musicians. I mean, you know, you get the violin and the cello going, and it's like I get goosebumps, and it's like it brings there. It's, it's such an amazing thing, and I think it's easy for us to take them for granted, and they do such an amazing job. And, and, and I know for me it's always helpful because I have zero musical ability, so like I have to make contact, eye contact to know that I'm not clapping wrong and I'm singing the right words. And so, so you guys give me confidence to sing out, and that's a great service. I think there's some of us in here that... We're less than secure in our singing abilities, and you know what? It's, it's great because the singers really do serve to give us some confidence to sing out uh, when normally I think maybe a few of us would prefer to just not have anybody hear our voice, okay? So great job. It's fantastic. You know, there's, there, there's songs you sing, and when you get done singing them, it, it's okay to go, man, that was really fun to sing that. Not every song is like that, but... But, you know, I think we've had a number of them today where hopefully you feel that way. No matter how you feel about music or singing, uh, hopefully you end and you're like, wow, this is really great. The message of the songs are amazing. They're fantastic. So uh, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians uh, chapter 2. We're going to be in chapter 2 today. Um, I do want to start us out, though, while you're getting there, I'm going to read a, a familiar psalm. Because it's our job, as we, um, as we hear the Word of God, and this is really our job every single day. In Psalm 1, uh, the, the psalmist writes uh, about the man who delights in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on his Word, on his law, day and night. Amen. And then it, there's a description. It's one of my favorite descriptions in the Bible, Amen. which is he'll be like a tree planted by streams of water, Amen. all right? And, and I want you to think about that because as great as that visualization is, there actually is a condition up above that, which is he delights in the law of the Lord Amen. and he meditates on it day and night. And so why I say that is because what we're about to teach right here, the lesson on Sunday morning is not meant to plant you by a stream of water, and that's the stream that you live by the whole week. We have a, a duty, we have a responsibility Amen. to take the Word of God and meditate on it day and night, because you know what doesn't happen naturally? Transformation doesn't happen naturally. Amen. All right, the, Just implanting the Word of God on our heart doesn't happen naturally, and, and the fear is, and this is one of the things I want to plant in all of our minds, is that simply coming to church doesn't make us a Christian. Amen. All right? Even if you've done the right things, it doesn't make us a Christian. Really, what we're talking about is, is Jesus, remember when, when you were baptized into Christ, he didn't zap you right up into heaven. And there was a reason for that. Number one was to go out and proclaim the message. The other one was to live a life that you're following Jesus. It's called discipleship. Amen. And we can never forget that. Amen. All right? And, it, and it, you might think, well, that's a no-brainer. Like, we just know that. 
whenever that thought gets into my mind, I have forgotten about discipleship. All right, because it's not a no-brainer. It's something that we have to be diligent about every single day. So that's a little preface as we go in, and we're, we're, uh, we're in Ephesians 2. Here's what we're talking about in our sermon series over the next month or two. Um, we're we're going to be digging out of the book of Ephesians. Amen. We were in chapter 1 last week. You can go and listen to that if you missed it. Um, but we're talking about um, living the life that you're built to live, right? That's really important because God built us to live a certain way. He built us to live a certain life. We're built to run on certain things. We're built to run on love. We're built to run on the nature of who God is. We're built to run on the word of God. We're built to run on forgiveness and reconciliation and service. We're built, like when God built each and every one of us, there were certain aspects of us that God knew they're not meant to run on this, okay? We're not meant to run on sin. Our bodies were not created to live in sin, right? Our bodies weren't created to do that. And what ends up happening, like, what is the fruit that comes out of our life when we are running on sin? What, what's the fruit that you notice? Remember, fruit is what we see, what's produced, right? When we're running on the wrong thing, what gets produced in our life? What do you think? Such as what? Yeah, like not good fruit, right? Anger. Okay. Man. Right, here we go. We can, we can start challenging our heart right now of going, okay, when I am impatient and angry and frustrated easily and all that kind of stuff, that's, there's something being produced in a way that God was like, no, no, you weren't meant to run on something that's producing this, okay? All right, what else is produced when we're, when we're running on something that God didn't build? When we're running on sin, right? It's just when I'm about me and... And when I and everything is through the lens of how you made me feel and 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 but you haven't helped me at all. And, you know, that's great. But but he never says uh, this about me or this person never comes and gives me a hug. And this person there and it's through this lens of selfishness that God's going, hold on a minute. When we see that being produced, then we've got to think, man, I'm am I running on something? Is there, is there something I'm ingesting? Is there some way I'm living decisions that I'm making that are producing this? Okay. Um, what, what's something else? What's another thing? And this is for you. What would you say? Yeah. Uh, insecurity and guilt. Boy. See, I talked to Ben about that, about myself, and so he just like, you know, did like a backwards <laughs> confession right there, right? <laughs> but, but, but we talk about that. He's like, you know, you know, Keith, like your insecurity and your guilt. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, is, is when we're running on the Word of God and we're running on the way he, like the life he tells us to live, we are secure. Amen. We're not guilty. We're we're not. We're at peace. We're patient. We're kind. That's how we know, man, we are running on all cylinders. We have this little blurb in Galatians 5 
um, that says, hey, the fruit of the Spirit, that Holy Spirit that God put inside of us is like a, a fruit-producing machine, but good fruit, right? Uh, fruit of gentleness and faithfulness and kindness and patience and joy. And so here's the thing is, is when I look at my life and I'm going, hold on, none of those things are being produced. <laughs> then I am not running on t- I'm I'm filling my body with something. That is not, it is, it is not the way God built me to live. Now, last week we started, here's the cool thing about Ephesians. He doesn't begin the book by giving us like, here's three things you need to go and do. And when you do these things, you'll, you'll be all perfect. He starts from like the dead center. He starts right on the inside. He starts on something that quite honestly is disciples. And is, if you've ever been to a Christian church, you, we don't like starting here which is something that almost seems like it's not practical. And do you understand what I mean? Like, we love practicality, meaning like, dude, if you tell me what to do, I'll go do it. Could you imagine that marriage? Like, think about that in your marriage. Like, honey, if you just tell me what to do, then I'll do it and we'll be great. Right? No, 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 no. That, that does not work, Right? In a weird way, we, we can do that with God. Like, God, just tell me. Just don't, don't not the soft stuff. You know, like, in, in a marriage, like, okay, wives, like, what would you love and, well, I'm not going to say it. What would you love to hear from your husband that isn't just a practical thing? Like, what's the thing that your husband can say to you that you go, this right here fills me up to hear this. What, what is it from, from the married ladies? This is really, really vulnerable right here, okay? And you're being recorded on top of it and live streaming. So we don't know who's seeing it somewhere. Uh, but what would you say? I'm, I'm, asking, I'm looking for one courageous wife right here. Thank you, Lindsay. What would you say? <laughs> yeah, she's teaching. All right. But now anybody, any of the, uh, what would you say? Okay, but that's so impractical, you know, but the thing about this is that's kind of like a soft side of things where we're like, uh, you know, when it comes to being a Christian, it's like, you mean, like we talk about gratitude, but we're like, that really doesn't do anything. But in our relationships, we realize, you want to know what, when there's gratitude expressed, we're like, man, you want to know what, Allison, what does that, how does that affect you as a wife when, when Joe is grateful to you? How does that affect you towards him? Right, right. And it's not a burden. It's not a burden. Like, I feel like I want to be a better wife. I feel like I want to love you more. I feel like, and and the thing about it is it all goes into, like, man, just some gratitude, right? It's not some practical point that you go and do. And it's beautiful here in Ephesians, in these six chapters, he takes the first three, and he just starts with this kind of stuff that's on the inside of us that I think if we re- just read the first three chapters of Ephesians, we would go, uh, I mean, okay, so like how's the church supposed to do anything now? <laughs> for, for real. Like l- most people, like if you ask them, give me a verse you know of from Ephesians, you know one from chapter four, five, or six. Yeah. Almost no one knows one from one, two, or three. Right? Sit, armor of God. <laughs> Why submit to your husband? Because <laughs> I am. All right. 
Ephesians chapter 4. You got one from Ephesians chapter 4? Yeah, one. It's the famous ones. All we, oftentimes we just live in chapter 4, 5, and 6. And you want to know what? That wasn't, that alone does not make us how God intended us to grow. So Paul writes chapters 1, 2, and 3 because he knows, hey, buddy, you, we're going to have to start from the inside in order for 4, 5, and 6 to be real. Amen. 4, 5, and 6 can, be, can just be task-oriented, okay? We can agree on 4, 5, and 6. Have you ever done that before? Like you sit in church or you read your Bible and you agree, but you are not convicted. See the difference? Okay, Paul is not about that. Paul is, not, Paul is like, hold on a minute. The word of God is about conviction. And how we get to conviction in chapters 4, 5, and 6 is we've got to get 1, 2, and 3. And so chapter 1, last week, what did we talk about last week? What was the thing that you remember that you were like, hold on, he talked about this, not me, but Ephesians 1 was about what? That God loves his glory, man. That over and over again, Paul is like, God, you did this so we would praise your glory. You did this so we would praise your glory. You, you're awesome so we would praise your glory. All right, that his magnificence and his majesty, that what God wants, Paul writes to us, and what we see, even we, we read in Isaiah 48 last week, what we see is, is that God is so amazing, and he does such incredible things, including adopting us, choosing us, giving us the plan of salvation, forgiving us of our sins. He does those things not just so we can go off and feel better about ourselves, yeah. but that we would glorify God, that we would magnify his name in everything we do. We would seek to make God, to make God be seen in the world as who he is. Amen. All right? And that's what chapter 1 was about, and I, I think that's easy. I know it's easy for me. To kind of lose that is to go, hold on a minute. That's what like, I, you know, I watch TV shows and I hear people all the time talking about praise God and praise God and praise God and praise God. And, and then, but there's nothing behind it. All right. But see, that's not what Paul's talking about. Paul's saying, no, as a Christian, regardless of what our experience is or what we're for, or what we're against, he's saying, no, 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 as a Christian, me and you have to be serious about praising the glory of God Amen. verbally in song, in how we live, in how we interact with one another, all right? And we talked about last week, that in a kind of a weird way is practical, isn't it? Yeah. Because doesn't it assume a life that you're going to live? Like in, in my marriage, with my friends, my roommates, all these things is if I, my goal is, remember 1 Corinthians 10, whatever you do, do it for what? Do it for the glory of God. Isn't that great? That's freedom. If, you, if you're here for the first time, that, that's kind of our motto here is, is you can do whatever you want. Anything. Yes, you have the freedom to do anything you want as long as it glorifies God. Amen. That's 1 Corinthians 10. He boiled down Christianity. If it glorifies God, you have the freedom to do it. Amen. All right, you see those parameters that, that make the Bible just really simple there? Okay, so we have Ephesians 1. Here's what I want you to keep in mind as we read Ephesians 2. So, again, we're not abandoning one. We're adding, we're, we're, we're developing it further, all right? Praising the glory of God, magnifying his majesty, making him, you know, to, known as, as this 
just immeasurably awesome father. I want you to think of these two words, though, as we go into Ephesians chapter 2, as life or death. That's what Paul's going to talk about. He's going to say, okay, God's awesome. He chose you. He adopted you. He predestined you. He gave you salvation, grace, all of these things for his glory. And Paul's going to back up a little bit and go, but I want you to think of these two things, life and death. Life and death. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes, As for you, that's us, it's me and you, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and all those who are disobedient, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this isn't from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here's what I'm learning. This is what I've heard as I've studied chapter 2, and particularly this part is, there's two things that matter in this life, whether we're dead or alive. That's the only two things that matter. I'm either alive spiritually or dead spiritually. Amen. All right, that's, that's it, okay? Yep. Every one of us sitting here are one of those two things. Amen. All right? Now this, understand what Paul doesn't do. He doesn't get into your motive. He doesn't get into if you're a good guy or not, or a good girl. He doesn't get into if you're trying or you're not trying. He's just saying, hey, there's dead and, there, there's dead and live. There's being dead spiritually and there's being alive spiritually. And he goes on and he said, here's, here's what happens is, is God brings dead things to life. That's amazing. That, that's one of those things that we've got to like meditate on and remember. Hold on a minute. God brings the dead to life. Amen. God does. And so you've got to think, um, am I alive right now or am I dead spiritually? Okay. And he says, here's what saved you. You were saved by grace. Right? Here's where we, we, we mess this up a little bit. Because we think that sentence, you're saved by grace, is a method of salvation. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's not a method. That's, the re- that's how. All right? there, there's no way that somebody can say, how can you get saved? Well, by grace. No, that's not the method. He's saying by grace. And, do you, and, and what does grace mean? Like define that for me, huh? It's a 
Right. You were given something that you could not earn, mm -hmm. that you could not deserve. Doesn't that make perfect sense that you were saved, that salvation is something that you never could earn or deserve on your own? Right? That, that makes total sense. In fact, anything outside of that has to be wrong. Okay? You were saved by grace through faith. All right? And you're going, wow, okay, that means that saved by grace through faith, that I was brought to life through faith, trusting God. That's really going, okay, God, I know who you are and what you say, and what you say is real. We were saved by grace through faith. And even now, we kind of get a weird, and I'm bring, I want to segue a little bit. We, bring, we get weird salvation doctrines from this because we'll go, oh, yeah, no, no. How you get saved is you're saved by grace through faith. I'm like, that's absolutely true. But what does that look like? Yeah. All right, the Bible doesn't leave us hanging on that. Yeah. The, the, the question has to be, okay, well, what does that look like? Well, by faith, yes, but what does that look like, right? Turn over to Romans chapter 6, okay? And we're talking about death. Paul gets um, really um, descriptive right here in Romans chapter 6. I mean, this is, I love this part because um, he's describing dead people coming to life, being saved by grace through faith. He describes it right here. Verse 1, what shall we say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Amen. And so we're learning right there that, man, at baptism, something legitimately happens. You die and are buried with Jesus. Amen. And you live again the same way he lived again. You're raised to new life. All right, that's the description right there. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2. All right, because these are... These are things, and again, as, as we share with you, take notes, write these things down. Colossians 2. <coughs> Verse 9. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you've been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were circumcised in the putting off of your sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. All right? And so you have that idea of, wow, what does that look like? You're saved 
by grace through faith is the idea of your, your dying in baptism and your faith in God allows you to rise again to new life. Amen. Okay, that's really important to know because it doesn't matter what, what the name of the church is, is this is what the Bible is teaching about coming to life again, okay? And so that's the thing to figure out and to go, okay, am I alive or am I dead? And if I'm dead spiritually, it's kind of a simple fix, right? He, say, he just says, repent and be baptized, like participate in this. Like, die in the water and rise again to new life. Like, it's that quick. It's that simple. There's nothing complicated about it. But if we're alive, something happens, right? I mean, Paul has to write more about this. Because if you've been baptized into Christ, if you've risen to new life, if you were dead and now you're alive in Christ, all right? Um, It's interesting. Do you ever get caught up in still having, like, for lack of a better term, like, dead people thoughts? Like the thoughts of the dead, like, you know, you get kind of caught up in, I still think the same way as I used to before I was alive again. You ever have that happen? All right. See, that's what Paul begins talking about right here in, back in Ephesians chapter two. He says right here, he goes, you used to be dead. And he says, you followed the ways of the world the ruler of the kingdom of the air, of the spirit who has not worked and those who are disobedient. I mean, he gives this long name of basically like, you know, Satan. He used to follow the ways of the world. Satan, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. You know, he's saying he used to do that. And he said what it looked like is, is gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. We followed his desires. We followed his thoughts. And it's interesting as I was kind of thinking about this. You know, I wrote down, you know, one of the things that I did when I was dead spiritually is I followed naturally the ways of the world. Yeah. Okay. Can you tell me, like, what's something you think of when you go, that, what's the typical behavior of our world in, in something? What, what's the typical behavior? Just judging other people and being kind of hateful about it. Okay. Yeah, right. Is there's a there's there's judgmentalism is a funny word in the Bible because we have to make judgments and we have to make God's right judgment. But what you're talking about, Ryan, is I think making a judgment based on because I see you, I know things about who you are on the inside. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's kind of a typical thing is, is we judge by sight. Like, hey, I know what you look like. I know how you act. I know the people you hang out with. And therefore, I know all of these things about you. That's typical of the world, isn't it? Great job. What else would you say is kind of a typical behavior of the world? Complaining. What? No, nobody complains. That's not typical. Boy, that's like a, that's like a sport. That's like a, man, it is complaining. I mean, that's one of those things for me. It's like I can go into that just so seamlessly. And that's a typical way of the world. And you know what's funny about the Bible? He says that that's how the, the, the dead people, that's when we were dead spiritually, we did what the world did. And isn't it funny as I can think of, man, okay, but I'm alive spiritually and I still can fall into that. Okay, There's a really interesting idea I want you to keep in mind as you read the Bible. There's something that happens, there's a, there's a concept called now but not yet. Have you ever heard of that before? That's biblically, that's a true concept, is you can have the reality of something now, okay? Randy is completely 
forgiven for his sin right now. The Holy Spirit is completely filled in disciples. And if you're a disciple, I just picked on Randy for just a quick second there, but all of us who are disciples, you're now, you are completely made perfect. Except we know something about ourselves, huh? What is it that we know? Still sinful. We're not, right. We're, we're not perfect, huh? We still make bad choices. We can be fully forgiven now, but not yet. Meaning like, okay, the completion will happen when Jesus comes back, all right? And so Paul shares with us, this is how you live, because our tendency is going to be to go back to thinking like how we thought when we were dead, all right? And it might be complaining, right? It might be just judging by what I see, right? As, man, I see my eyes and I make all of these judgments. Sean, you had your hand up. Yeah, I just don't consider other people. I don't think of anybody. I think of me, right? That's very typical, right? something that has to be right, so I'm going to go with my feelings. Right. You said it better than I could even sum that up. That's exactly right. Man, if I'm feeling it, it must be right. That's very typical, isn't it? Okay. And so what he's saying right here is, is you used to follow these ways that were just typical of the world. When we were dead, so Paul is saying, listen, guys, if if you want to live and really live the life you're built to live. We've got to continually crucify the old life, right? Continually crucify and continue to keep in mind that, hold on a minute. Um, I don't want to live in the same way I lived when I was dead spiritually. I don't want to think the same way that's typical of the world. In fact, Jesus calls us to do something different than that, right? He's calling us to more. Here's the things that I wrote down. I put, you know, here's what dead people do, okay? Dead people break down, living people build up. I'm talking about spiritual now, okay? Dead people break down. Dead people means that when we're dead spiritually, you know what we need to do is, is I need to make you less in order to make me more. All right? Have you ever felt that way? Like, man, so, you know, Alex thinks he's so much better. Like, and, and, and have you ever felt, okay, let, let's go to this place, and I just want you to think about it. Have you ever thought, like, or gained some pleasure in knowing something bad about somebody. Okay, dead people break down, living people raise up. Living people encourage. Philippians 2, consider other people more important than us. That's what a living person, that's when we know we're running on all cylinders. When, when we are locked in and we realize, you know what, God, Jesus brought us to life, not because of anything we did. We didn't earn it. There's no way we deserve it. There's no way that there was some kind of thing that, that I can claim to have deserved this. But he brought us to life. And then he says, now consider others more important than me and you. All right, that's what we were built to live on. We were built to live that way. Dead people bring down, living people build up. Amen. All right? Dead people take, living people add value to. Okay? Dead people, when I was following the typical patterns of the world, I saw people as transactions. Yeah. Mm. Well. That's what dead people do. When I was dead in my sin, I saw people for what I could take from them. All right. Could I take, you know, your fame? Could I take your, you know, whatever? What can I get from you? 
Can I get security from you? Can I get love from you? Can I get, what can I get from you? All right, that's dead thinking. Okay, it's transactional. That's the root, okay, that's the root of pornography. Yeah. It's, I, I, this, that person has no value to me except what I can take from them. Yeah. That's the, the root of immorality in a dating relationship is you don't love that person, you see them as an ATM machine. Yeah. Like, what, I, you're not a human being anymore to me. You're just what I can get from you. Yeah. And, and we've learned to say it, so it's more romantic than that. But that's what it boils down to. Dead people see relationships and people as transactions. Mm -hmm. What can I get from you? What can I get? Living people, you want to know what they do is is they add value. They add value. Acts 20, verse 35, it's better to give than to receive. Buddy, that's what we were built to run on right there. If we want to live the life we were built to live, that right there, Acts 20, verse 35, It's better to give than to receive. Let me ask you to just replay the clock, replay the the video of this morning, today so far. Did you come here? Did you wake up at home? Did you come here? Are you interacting with the idea of how can I give to people? How can I add value to my brothers and sisters and friends that are coming in? How can I add to their value? All right, that's what living people do that's what we were built this is what when we were following the ways of the world this is what was going on in our mind dead people are sticky (laughs) dead people are sticky that is science what i mean by that is everything sticks on a dead person spiritually Living people, you want to know what? It's like they have like duck fur. You ever seen a duck? You ever seen water on a duck's back? It's like Teflon. Man, it just doesn't, it just goes right off, okay? That's living people, it's like Teflon. Like it's, you wronged me? It's like, okay, I'm, it's not sticking. You want to know what? When we're dead spiritually, you know what we do? I remember everything you did to me. And I'm going to hold it against you and I'm going to be bitter and cynical I'm going to remember, and you better work your way out of that. All right? That's how dead people think spiritually. That's the, that's the typical behavior of the world is this idea of everything sticks to us. Right? That's a weird picture in your mind probably, but the truth of the matter is is when we're alive, it's this idea of, of, of forgiving others because God has forgiven us. It's this idea of, hey, man, it's like Teflon. It's just, yeah, let it go. There's a time to look away and let a, let a wrong go. All right? Don't let it stick. Don't let that statement stick. Don't let that, what, what you thought of five years ago or 10 years ago, stick. It's like, hey, it's done. It's over. It, it's gone. Dead people are sticky. Creates bitterness, unforgiving. But it also says that when we were dead, we gratified the cravings of our sinful nature. Mm-hmm. It, it, there was this, it, this drive for things yeah. that we had to have. There was this, this hunger for things. It says, you don't know we were dead? Like that's what, what led us was hunger. Yeah. So we just did whatever we were hungry for. So if it was sexuality, if it was love, if it was security, it's like I'm just making decisions to make that better. All right? that's, that was when we were dead 
All right, let's look over in Romans chapter 8, okay, because he, he gets into this here, and, and he talks about this battle here. We're actually going right, to be right there at the end of Romans 7, actually. Because none of us, it doesn't matter, I don't think, how mature anybody is spiritually or anything like that. We know what that, like, hunger and lust for our sinful nature feels like. And, like, there's this battle between the sinful nature and the spiritual nature that's going on inside of us right now, okay? And Romans 7, Paul, Paul sums this up really well in verse 21. Paul says, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature I'm a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Okay, he says this is, this is how we break free. There's this battle, and it's happening in us right now, okay? And there's a really cool little proverb that people always share is like, well, which one wins? Like this one guy used to talk about like he feels like he had these two dogs inside of him and they were fighting, right? And one was good and one was evil. And somebody said, well, who, which one wins? And he says, well, the one I feed wins, yeah. all right? That's exactly what Paul is going to teach. He's like, the one we feed will win, yeah. all right? And that's, that's for us right there. Romans 8, verse 5 those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. Have you ever thought about that? You just sit around and you're just thinking about, man, just, just the stuff you shouldn't be thinking about, just yeah. the, the things you want and how you're going to get them. And yeah. whether it's, whether it's uh, worldly riches, whether it's sexuality, whether it's whatever it is, you're just thinking, you're going, oh, man, if I could just be a millionaire, if I could just, you know, have this, you know, whatever thing, this sexual thing, whatever it is, and we're just going. He's like, if your mind is set on that, yeah. then that will bring death. Like, that's the sinful nature, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit Amen. have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Amen. What does God's Spirit desire? <laughs> what, and, 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 and here's the thing, you're going, what, is this a subjective, like, just what I feel? No, no, no. How, how do we know what the Holy Spirit longs for, wants, yearns, is leading us towards? How do we know? How do we know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is like this whole nother God. We don't realize, no, God, Jesus, the Spirit, that's one. Mm-hmm. Whatever Jesus wants is what the Holy Spirit wants. Whatever the Father asks is what the Spirit wants. Right? In John 14, 15, 16, those three chapters, it actually talks about, man, the Spirit just does what God wants. Yeah. Right? And so for us, yeah. See, I was going to say, uh, in Ephesians 1, 17, it says, I keep asking 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. spirit wants us, our eyes to be open so that yeah. we know God better. Because if we know God better, we will value the things. That Absolutely. There's this cycle that goes. The more I know God, the more I'm like, more than happy to be understanding and doing what he's asking and I get to know him and I do more and I get to know him and I live more and I get to know him you know and and you see all of these things happening so you have the spirit that's revealing God to us okay um what else what are some of the things just off the top of your head this is what what would be the things that you're that you would think the spirit loves this what are a few things I, l- I think the like God is wants everybody to be saved. Yes. God, right. To a knowledge of the truth. So I think God is constantly trying to choreograph kind of crossing of paths of people who are looking for Him with people who know Him. Yeah. So I think God loves that choreography. Like, oh, talk to Him now, yeah. right now, right now. You know, like right. loves mm-hmm. like because when I'm in those positions and I feel like I've listened to the Spirit or I see it working. It's very fulfilling for me. So. The, the spirit we know loves when the gospel is proclaimed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the spirit uh, loves when we're in fellowship with the right. body. How do you know that? Uh, scripture. Is right. I mean, the Bible is chock full. The book of Ephesians is about the church working together, not individuals, right? And so you're like, man, fellowship and, and intimate fellowship is what the Spirit wants. Proclaiming the gospel, repentance, reconciliation, forgiveness. You think, wow, if my mind is set on those things. I think uh, it's like when God, when Jesus was baptized, and God was like, this is my son. Oh, my please. Like, I think about just his obedience. I think about like this morning, my son woke up and you know, he came down like fully dressed for church, yeah. like unprompted. Yeah. And then he like asked politely for breakfast and then puts up his bowl and pushes his chair in. And he's like a different child, you know, and it's just like the thing that they do out of their own free will because they know that's what pleases, you know, right. it's just like absolutely hey, doing things out of our own yeah. stuff to please God. Right. The, he, when we're thinking of life or death, when we're thinking of, man, how can I not keep thinking about all this junk that I thought of when I was dead spiritually and not let all of these things kind of stick to me when I'm thinking about life and death all right and I'm thinking about how God has really built us to live and and all of the things that he loves and then in Romans 8 it says man the mind of the spirit of life is when we are thinking about what the spirit desires and so this is this is kind of that practical we take is how much time during the day are we committed to thinking constantly about what does the Spirit of God want? What does He want right now? What did I learn in my Bible today? D- does, he, does He want me to love people? I don't know. Does He want me to be reconciled to somebody that I have conflict with? Oh, I don't know. Yes, we do know. Does he want forgiveness? Does he want proclamation of the gospel? Does he want fellowship? And, and thinking when our mind is set on that, it's like all of a sudden we're like, man, I'm living the way I was built to live. Amen. Man, this is crazy. And then you know what's even funnier than that? As we do that, what do we end up doing? Praising God more, mm-hmm. glorifying him more, right? I mean, do you see how even the first two chapters just create this cycle of like, okay, mindset on the spirit. Wow, man, this is so crazy. I'm praising God more. I mean, there's this crazy cycle of just faith that gets built. 
All right? But it doesn't happen unless me and you like go away and, and really think about, am I going to set my mind on this or am I going to set my mind on what the, my sinful nature desires, which is just what I want right now, what's going to make me feel better, what's going to make me happy, what's going to make me, you know, all of these things. We make it our goal, and this is what Matt was talking about, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. We make it our goal to please God. Amen. Right? That, that, that could sum up the first two chapters, right? We make it our goal. What if that's what me and you thought every day? How do you think we could get that thought so embedded in us that that would be our natural thought process? How could me and you do that? Because it's a great idea right here. It's a great idea. Like, you know, Keith, that's a great idea. We should make it our goal to please him. I agree. But we want to transition from agreement to conviction. Right? That's where, the, that's where the change is right there. Okay, How would we do that? How would you tell somebody if they asked you, they sat down and they said, I want, I'm talking about really changing from the inside out. How can I get every thought in my head to be that of, I only want to do what pleases God. What would you say? Back to Psalms 1. Right. It's this whole thing. Going, oh, wow. That guy a thousand years ago who wrote Psalms knew something. Buddy, that is right there. If we aren't meditating on the word of God, we are just going to rely on our own strength to be a good person. Yeah. Instead of, hold on a minute. You want to know what happens? The more I commit it to like in my mind every day, I'm thinking of, okay, God, how can I please you? How can I please you? How can I please you? Okay, this decision. And, and that's what is going through our minds. We will live to please God. Mm-hmm. We will follow the spirit of life, right? We won't be thinking the way we thought when we were dead spiritually, we'll be thinking the way God intended that really what it does is all of a sudden it's like, wow, I feel like I'm living the way I was built to live because I'm more peaceful. Wow, I'm more patient. Wow, man, I, normally I would have really went off there, but I feel more kind. You know, wow, I'm faithful. It used to be really hard and now I'm getting it. Wow, I'm living the way I was built to live. All right, yeah. Um, and like, if you read it, like, then it makes it that much easier to like obey and follow. If you know what yeah. it says. If this is true about itself, the Bible's true. That it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Amen. That it's the spoken word of God. If this is true that the Bible is the word of God, then it would seem ridiculous for us to not be ingesting this every day, huh? Mm-hmm. It would seem utterly ridiculous to say, okay, I want to live to please God, but I will not learn his word. Okay? Yeah. I think about Luke when he's talking about prayer, and he says, you know, like, ask for whatever, and I'll give you my spirit. And I think right. that's huge, that if we want right. the spirit to be in our lives, we need to pray right. that God gives us wisdom and gives Amen. us yeah. his spirit and right. gives us all that knowledge, because... I mean, really, it comes from reading the Bible and it right. comes from God right. working in our hearts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he goes on and he said, hey, the reason that God did this, he, the next section of Ephesians 2, he actually says, hey, the Gentiles and the Jews, you guys were brought, this brought you together into one body. Okay? He describes that. And he said the reason he did it is because God has prepared works of service in advance for mm-hmm. us to do. Right. To do good works. 
in advance. What good works does God have planned, do you think, for me and you this afternoon? Or tomorrow? Or the next day? Or next week? Or next month? We've got to think, wow, that is one of the coolest things in the world that God has planned in advance Mm -hmm. good works to do. But again, it's, it, we're going to, you ever go through a day and you can't even remember like eating breakfast that day, right? I don't even remember if I brushed my teeth certain days. I even know, you know, you, you leave and you're just like, wow, what happened? Or you get to a Friday and you're like, it's Friday already? I don't even know. Somebody may ask you like, how's your week? And you're like, I have no recollection, like none whatsoever. Like I just remember being here last week, right? Have you ever had that? Okay. That's reality when we aren't really being diligent about put, writing this on our heart. But this idea of knowing, okay, God, every day reminding myself and reminding each other, okay, you've prepared good works in advance Amen. today. You've prepared those. Help me to see them. Help me to find them. Help me to speak your word. Help me to praise the glory of your name.